Welcome to Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Visit our website at jabberaudio.com slash support to learn more or go to patreon.com slash team jabberwocky. The following audio theater is rated ADG for general audiences. Jabberwocky Audio Theater presents Through the Looking Glass. This story comes from the Brothers Grimm, the Elves and the Shoemaker. There once was a shoemaker who worked very hard and was very honest in all his dealings, but he could not earn enough to live upon. At last, all he had in the world was gone, save just enough leather to make one last pair of shoes. So he cut his leather out, all ready to make up into shoes the next day, and he meant to rise early in the morning to do his work. His conscience was clear, and his heart light amidst all his troubles. So he went peacefully to bed, leaving all his cares to heaven, and soon fell asleep. In the morning, after he had said his prayers, he sat himself down to his work, when to his great wonder, there stood the shoes upon the table, already made. The good man knew not what to say or what to think at such an odd thing happening. He looked at the workmanship. There was not one false stitch in the whole job. All was so neat and true, as good or perhaps better than the high standards he set for shoes he made himself. It was quite a masterpiece. The same day, a customer came in, and the shoes suited him so well that he willingly paid a price higher than usual for them. And the poor shoemaker, with the money, bought leather enough to make two pairs more. In the evening, he cut out the work and went to bed early, that once again he might get up and begin first thing the next day. But he was saved all the trouble, for when he got up in the morning, the work was done already. Two pairs of shoes had been made as expertly as before. Soon came in buyers, who again paid the shoemaker handsomely for his goods. This time, he bought leather enough for four pairs more. He cut out the work again in the evening, and again found the shoes expertly made in the morning. And so it went on for some time. What was made ready in the evening was always finished work by daybreak and the good man soon became thriving and well-off again. In fact, he became a cobbler very much in demand. One evening, about Christmas time, as he and his wife were sitting over the fire, chatting together, he said to her, I should like to sit up and watch tonight, that we may see who it is that comes and does my work for me. The wife liked the thought, so they left a light burning and hid themselves in the corner of the room, behind a curtain that was hung up there. And there they lay, quietly waiting 
and watching for what would happen. As soon as it was midnight, there came in two little naked elves, and they sat themselves upon the shoemaker's bench, took up all the work that was cut out, and began to ply with their little fingers, stitching and wrapping and tapping away at such a rate that the shoemaker was all wonder and could not take his eyes off them. On they went till the job was quite done and the shoes stood ready for use upon the table. This was long before daybreak and then they bustled away as quick as lightning. The next day, the wife said to the shoemaker, These little elves have made us rich, and we ought to be thankful to them, and do them a good turn if we can. I am quite sorry to see them run about as they do, and indeed it is not very decent, for they have nothing upon their backs to keep off the cold. I'll tell you what, she said. I will make each of them a shirt and a coat and a waistcoat and a pair of pantaloons into the bargain, and you make each of them a little pair of shoes. The thought pleased the good cobbler very much, and one evening, very soon thereafter, when all the things were ready, they laid them on the table, instead of the shoe patterns they usually laid out. And then the cobbler and his wife went and hid themselves to watch what the little elves would do. About midnight, they came in, dancing and skipping, hopping around the room. Then they went to sit down to their work as usual. But when they saw the clothes lying on the table for them, they laughed and <laughs> chuckled and seemed mightily delighted. Then they dressed themselves in the twinkling of an eye and danced and capered and sprang about as merry as could be till at last they danced out of the door and away over the green of the town square and out of sight. The good couple saw the elves no more, but everything went well for both the cobbler and his wife from that time forward, as long as they lived. The Cunning Shoemaker. Today's story comes from Sicily by way of the Pink Fairy Book edited by Andrew Lang and published in 1897. Once upon a time there lived a shoemaker named Joseph who could get no work to do and was so poor that he and his wife nearly died of hunger. At last he said to her, It's no use waiting on here. I can find nothing, so I shall go down to Mascalucia, and perhaps there I shall be more lucky. So down he went to Mascalucia and walked through the streets crying, Who wants some shoes? And very soon a window was pushed up and a woman's head was thrust out of it. Here are a pair of shoes for you to patch she said, and he sat down on her doorstep and he set about patching them. How much do I owe you? she asked when they were done. A shilling? Here's eighteen pence and good luck to you. 
18 pence was half again more than a shilling. So the shoemaker thanked the woman sincerely and went his way. He turned into the next street and set up his cry again, and it was not long before another window was pushed up and another head appeared. Here are some shoes for you to patch. And the shoemaker sat down on the doorstep and patched them. How much do I owe you? asked the woman when the shoes were finished. A florin, said he, knowing that one florin was worth two shillings. Here's a crown piece, and good luck to you. And she shut the window. The shoemaker paused as he looked at the crown in his hand. It was worth five shillings. Well, thought the shoemaker, I've done finely, but I will not go back to my wife just yet, as if I only go on at this rate, I shall soon have enough money to buy a donkey. Having made up his mind what was best to do, he stayed in the town a few days longer, till he had a hundred shillings safe in his purse. Then he went to the market, and for fifty of them, he bought a good strong donkey, and mounting on its back, he rode home to Catania. But as he entered a thick wood, he saw in the distance a band of robbers who were coming quickly towards him. I'm lost, thought he. They're sure to take from me all the money that I have earned. I shall be as poor as ever I was. What can I do? However, being a clever little man and full of spirit, he did not lose heart. But taking five shillings, he fastened them out of sight under the donkey's thick mane. Then he rode on. Directly, the robber came up to him. They seized him exactly as he had foretold and took away all his money. Oh, dear friends, he cried, wringing his hands. I'm only a poor shoemaker and have nothing but this donkey left in the world. As he spoke, the donkey gave himself a shake and down fell five shillings. Where did that come from? asked the robbers. Ah, replied the shoemaker, you have guessed my secret. The donkey is a magic donkey and supplies me with all my money. Sell him to us, said the robbers. We will give you any price you like. The shoemaker at first declared that nothing would induce him to sell him, but at last he agreed to hand him over to the robbers for... 250 shillings. But listen to what I tell you, said he. You must each take it in turn to own him for a night and a day, or else you will all be fighting over the money. With these words they parted, the robbers driving the donkey to their cave in the forest and the shoemaker returning home, very pleased with the success of his trick. He just stopped on the way to pick up a good dinner and the next day spent most of his gains in buying a small vineyard. Meanwhile, the robbers had arrived at the cave where they lived and the captain, calling them all round him, announced that it as his right to have the donkey for the first night. His companions agreed and then he told his wife to put a mattress in the stable. She asked if he'd gone out of his mind, but he answered crossly, what is that to you? Do as your bid, and tomorrow I will bring you some treasures. Very early the captain awoke and searched the stable, but could find nothing, and guessed that Master Joseph had been making fun of them. Well, he said to himself, if I've been taken in, the others shall not come off any better. 
So when one of his men arrived and asked him eagerly how much money he'd got, he answered gaily, Oh, comrade, if you only knew, but I shall say nothing about it till everyone has had his turn. One after another, they all took the donkey, but no money was forthcoming for anybody. At length, when all the band had been tricked, they held a council and resolved to march to the shoemaker's house and punish him well for his cunning. Just as before, the shoemaker saw them a long way off and began to think how he could outwit them again. When he had hit upon a plan, he called his wife and said to her, Listen, Aida, when the robbers come and ask for me, say I have gone to the vineyard. Then tell the dog to call me and chase him from the house. When he had given these directions, he ran out of the back door and hid behind a barrel. A few minutes later, the robbers arrived and called loudly for the shoemaker. Alas, good gentlemen, he's up in the vineyard, but I will send the dog after him at once. Here, now go quickly to the vineyard and tell your master some gentlemen are here who wish to speak to him. Go as fast as you can. And she opened the door and let the dog out. You can really trust the dog to call your husband? Asked the robbers. Oh, dear me, yes. He understands everything and will always carry any message I give him. By and by, the shoemaker came in and said, Good morning, gentlemen. The dog tells me you wish to speak to me. Yes, yes, we do, replied the robber. We've come to speak to you about that donkey. It's your fault that the donkey did not give up any of those shillings. Though we have treated him as you had told us, none of us received any money. Well, you obviously did something wrong, said the shoemaker. It was your own fault. Well... We'll forget all about it, answered the robbers, if you will only sell us your dog. Oh, that, that is impossible. I should never get on without him. But the robbers offered forty gold pieces, and at last he agreed to let them have the dog. So they departed, taking the dog with them, and when they got back to their cave, the captain declared that it was his right to have the first trial. He then called his daughter and said to her, I'm going to the inn. If anybody wants me, loose the dog and send him to call me. About an hour after, someone arrived on business and the girl untied the dog and said, Go to the inn and call my father. The dog bounded off, but ran straight to the shoemaker. When the robber got home and found no dog, he thought he must have gone back to his old master. And though night had already fallen, he went off after him. Master Joseph, is the dog here? Ah, yes, the poor beast is so fond of me. You must give him time to get accustomed to new ways. So the captain brought the dog back, and the following morning handed him over to another of the band, just saying that the animal really could do what the shoemaker had said. The second robber carefully kept his own counsel, and fetched the dog secretly back from the shoemaker, and so on through the whole band. At length, when everybody had suffered, they met and told the whole story, and next day they all marched off in fury to the man who had made game of them. After reproaching him with having deceived them, they tied him up in a sack and told him they were going to throw him into the sea. The shoemaker lay quite still and let them do as they would. They went on, till they came to a church, and the robber said, The sun is hot and the sack is heavy. Let us leave it here and go in and rest. 
So they put the sack down by the roadside and went into the church. Now, on a hill nearby, there was a swineherd looking after a great herd of pigs and whistling merrily. When Master Joseph heard him, he cried out as loud as he could, I won't, I, I won't, I say. Well, what won't you do? asked the swineherd. Oh, replied the shoemaker, they want me to marry the king's daughter and I won't do it. How lucky you are, sighed the swineherd. Now, if it were only me. Oh, if that's all, replied the cunning shoemaker, get you into the sack and let me out. Then the swineherd opened the sack and took the place of the shoemaker. Oh, thank you, friend, said the swineherd. You may keep my pigs if you wish as payment, for no one has ever been as thoughtful as you have been to me. And at that moment, looking at the swineherd's beaming face, the shoemaker felt his stomach sink. He knew he could not let this innocent die at the hands of the robber, so he quickly concocted a plan. Now, see here, young master swineherd, began the shoemaker. Before I tie this sack up again, I must let you know of the ways of the king, his daughter, and his court, for they are strange indeed. I had gathered that from the sack replied the swineherd, still beaming. Such an odd custom. Yes, yes, said the shoemaker, who looked back at the church nervously, but attend me. Since you are a commoner, as I, they mean to christen you in the ocean, so that you will be a fit consort for the king's daughter. In the sack? Yes, in the sack, replied the shoemaker shortly. Once you hit the water, you must take a knife and cut yourself out, you hear? You have a knife, don't you? Of course grinned the swineherd, and he held up a stout hunting knife. "'Twas the very knife that helped cut you out just now.' "'The very one!' cried the shoemaker. "'So keep it handy and use it the moment you feel the water.' And with that, he shoved the swineherd back into the sack, secured it tightly, and then walked off, driving the pigs before him. When the robbers were arrested, they came out of the church, took up the sack and carried it to the sea, where they threw it in, and it sank directly. The swineherd did as he was told, cut open the sack, and emerged wet but happy on a beach some ways distant down the shore. He looked here and there, but nowhere did he see the king, nor the king's daughter, nor even the robbers, who he had taken to be members of the court. The entire experience left him bewildered and confused and Although I am not certain, I believe he abandoned raising pigs from then on and started a new life in town. In the meantime, the robbers came back and met the shoemaker and his new herd of pigs and stared at him with open mouths. Oh, if you only knew how many pigs live in the sea, said he. And the deeper you go, the more there are. I've just brought up these and mean to return for some more. Uh, there are still some left there? Oh, more than I could count, replied the shoemaker. I'll show you what you must do. Then he led the robbers back to the shore. Now, said he, you must, each of you, tie a stone to your neck so that you may be sure to go deep enough. For I found the pigs that you saw very deep down indeed. Then all the robbers all tied stones round their necks and jumped in and were drowned. 
and Master Joseph, now more than just a shoemaker, drove his pigs home, and he and Aida were rich to the end of their days. You've been listening to Through the Looking Glass from Jabberwocky Audio Theater. Today you heard The Elves and the Shoemaker from the Brothers Grimm and their collection Kinder und Hausmarschen, translated by Edgar Taylor and Marion Edwards, performed by, well, me. You also heard The Cunning Shoemaker, a traditional tale from Sicily taken from Andrew Lang's Pink Fairy Book and performed by Tom Kramer. Produced by Jabberwocky Audio Theatre in association with Arlington Independent Media, W-E-R-A-L-P, 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. Dialogue editing by Maurice Malda with final sound mix and mastering by William R. Coughlin. Post-production services provided by Tohu Bohu Productions, LLC. This recording is the property of Team Jabberwocky LLC and may not be rebroadcast, retransmitted, or redistributed without express permission from Team J. For all the latest episodes and information on Jabberwocky Audio Theater, visit jabberaudio.com. If you're enjoying Through the Looking Glass and the other yarns we spin at Jabberwocky Audio Theater, be sure to subscribe and share. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash teamjabberwocky for exclusive content and to help us continue to bring you further tales of high adventure and mysterious suspense. Until next time, this is Kim Davenport saying thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next thrilling production from Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. Jabberwock.